Band, you may be seated as well. As Danielle said, it's relation, hashtag relationships goals is the series for the month. Last Sunday, uh, we sat up here and talked marriage and a little bit of family life. Uh, the next week uh, in the morning, Pastor Teresa is going to be preaching around friendships and how to develop great friendships in every season of your life. I know that's going to help many people. And, and we're wired for relationship. It's the way God created us. God is a relational being. And so as, as, one, as, as three persons in one in perfect union, he created you and I for the ache of relationship. You'll never be fully satisfied in life until you've got meaningful relationships, firstly with God, but then with each other. So it's important for us to talk about all areas of relationship, which leads us today to talking about sex. Now, you're allowed to give me feedback today, all right? I, I had a few young people after first service, and they're like, are we allowed to say amen? You are allowed to say Amen. This, this is a good thing that we're going to talk about. Uh, you know, it's quite funny because, and welcome to those of you who are online. I, I trust that you enjoy this message and that it helps you at home. If, you, if it is your first time with us, we don't preach about sex every Sunday. You just hit jackpot, can I just say? That's, that's what today is all about. Years ago, we were going to do, well, we did a seminar for, on sex in the Green Building. This is maybe 12, 15 years ago. We had some, some pastors come in and they're going to talk about all things sex. And I was a little bit cheeky. We used, it was back in the day when we put an ad in the newspaper before the internet and so we were called Christian City Church so I thought I'd be clever and I uh, called the uh, sex seminar Sex in the City or Sex in the City because uh, of the TV program that was quite popular I thought that was quite clever and uh, anyway underneath our ad was a holiness local church uh, and uh, so it's like Sex in the City and beneath it was uh, come and hear about God's timeless moral values and how to be holy <laughs> And it was quite funny, the contrast, until he rang up the newspaper and Channel 7 and, and, and rang our office and said, we're going to come and picket that. The church shouldn't be teaching people about sex. I'm like, uh-oh, here's a problem. And uh, I won't say what I thought at that particular time. But fortunately, so I got, I got to go on Channel 7, the local news. So I got to be at uh, page 3 on the Sunshine Coast Daily. It was a big moment for me. Uh, a current affair rang up and said, can we come and feel, uh, f film the whole thing? I'm like, no way in the world. You're not coming to film that because then you'll you know, sensationalize it. And they didn't come and pick it in. anyway. But it, 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 it shows a very core belief of our church is that we need to speak into every area of human life. Every area that the Bible speaks about, the Bible is very clear. It talks about sexuality in a lot of different ways. You and I are created as sexual beings. And I'm committed to talk about sex. And often every year or two, I'll do a, a, something about what the Bible says about sex on a Sunday night. Uh, because a lot of young people and young adults come on a Sunday night. But then it recently occurred to me that people in the morning services are having sex too. Or aunt or want or whatever. And so we should really talk about it in the morning service. It's okay to laugh this morning. So today, I don't want us to get our ideas about sexuality from Hollywood. Come on, young people. We're not going to get our ideas about sexuality from Hollywood. Say amen for me right now. This is going to be awkward for the teenagers today, but it's okay. We're leaning into awkward. I don't want us to get it from the internet. I want us to get our, our understanding of sexuality from the one who created us and whose Bible outlines these thoughts. I don't want distortions or, or mistruths to shape our thinking because it will mess our lives up. So I've got seven things this morning. It is M-rated. M-rated. Not R-rated. 
not MA rated, but M rated, okay? Uh, and so now would, I'd be really awkward to slip out right now. But anyway, parents, just so you know, this is, this is where we're going. Quickly text your kid to leave the room if you want them to. Uh, but we won't. We could if I read certain parts of the Bible, we'd get R rated, but we won't today. All right, so seven things about sex. The truth about sex. Are you ready? Yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, put your seatbelt on. Here we go. All right, number one, sex is God's idea. Sex is God's idea. He created sex. Let's have a look at at what it says in the first chapter of the Bible, Genesis 1, 27, 28. So God created human beings in his own image. And he said, let us create them in our image, three in one. And he created in our image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female he created them. We could preach a whole message about that right now. But in the beginning and since then, God has always been creating us male and female. That's the way he's created us. All right, just give me an amen. amen. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, govern, and he goes on, talks about that. Be fruitful and multiply. That's code for have sex and make babies. All right. Jay, that was your chance for an amen. Uh, I know you know how to do that with eight, eight kids. You're, you're doing your part for, for the fulfillment of the great commission on the planet. Well done. Awesome. All right. Here we go. God, sex is God's idea. He created it. He made the body parts. He made the mysterious parts. When he created Adam and Eve, he didn't, he didn't walk away and then, oh my gosh, look what they're doing. Where did that come from? It was his idea. He's the author of the orgasm, can I tell you? I know, and I said it in church. A sexual relationship between a husband and a wife is celebrated in the Bible. It's celebrated. It's the way, it's a great part of our life that God created us as sexual beings. It's a lot better for me preaching this. My wife wasn't in the first service. I feel a whole lot better preaching this while she's in the front row. Uh, Okay, sometimes because of our experiences, or the messages that have been communicated to us over the years, we can develop a wrong mindset and believe a myth that sex is dirty, that it's wrong, or that it's degrading. But that is not God's intention. Often that's because of lies that we've been told or because of bad experiences, and we'll talk about that today. So the first thing I want you to know is sex is God's idea. Number two, sex is intended for pleasure and procreation. Okay, sex is a great part of a healthy relationship. It's not the whole relationship. Hollywood would tell you it's the whole relationship, but it's an important part of a great relationship. I like to think of it, it's not the whole cake, it's just the icing on the cake. And who knows that a cake tastes better with icing? Come on, somebody help me out here. (laughs) Proverbs 5, 18 and 19 says this, Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. It's getting hot in here right now, isn't it? I'm just reading a verse from the Bible for you right now. It's, part, it's a great part of, an, of a relationship intended for pleasure and procreation. Now, if we were to go to Song of Solomon, 
Then we'd start getting R-rated. Then we'd be be reading a book of the celebration of erotic love between a husband and a wife. We'd be reading an amazing poetic book where a wife pursues her man, proclaims boldly her attraction. In fact, in the Hebrew, the book of Song of Solomon is so erotic that many of the English writers struggled to translate it into English. Suddenly, someone's getting hungry for the Word of God here today. I can feel it. I can feel it. All right, number two. Sex is intended for pleasure and procreation. We're doing all right. Number three, sex is a picture of God's intention for the depth of our relationship with Him. There is a theology of sex. It's not just like, oh, that's a good idea. Give them some fun, make some babies. There's a theology of it. Ephesians 5, 31 and 32 says this. As the Scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. It's, it's one of the greatest pictures of the way God loves the church is a sexual relationship. One of the great pictures, Timothy Keller writes, writes it about this. He says, the sexual relationship between a husband and wife points to the eternal ecstasy of soul that we will live in heaven in our loving relationship with God in one another. It's a prophetic picture of heaven. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bruce. Help me out here. Number four, sexual desire is powerful. All right, you're created as a sexual being. And that sexual desire inside of each one of us is powerful. The Bible often compares that that, uh, sexual desire as like a fire. It's a fire that burns within us. Often when people fall morally, and we we use that expression in church, uh, and people of all sorts of of spirituality fall morally, uh, the reason they fall is not because they're a bad Christian. It's because they don't understand the power of sexual desire and don't treat it with respect. Not because they're not a good Christian, not because they haven't prayed enough, but because they haven't respected the fire. Bible talks about it like this. You know, someone told me years ago about the difference between men and women, and there are a number of them, and I'm not going to spell them all out for you today. But one of the differences when it comes to sexuality that a woman is like a fire, and all the conditions have to be perfect, and the wind stop, and, and everything just laid up just perfectly, and a man is like a fireman. Where's the fire? I'm there. I'll help you out. That, that, I've heard that. I'm not sure, Russ. I'm, is that, I think you might have told me that, Russ. I'm not sure. Anyway, sexual desire is, like, is likened to a fire. Okay, it's a fire on the inside. So here's the thing. Uh, Proverbs 6.27 talks about a man having an affair, an adulterous relationship, or sleeping with a prostitute. And it says this, Can a man scoop a flame into his lap and not have his clothes catch on fire? This thing's a fire, and if you mistreat it, you'll get burned. In fact, later on in Corinthians, when Paul's writing to the church, he says, some of you are called to be single, to be celibate. It's a a gift that God's placed in your life so that you can dedicate uh, time for the service of God without needing to attend to a relationship. Some of you have got that gift. Uh, I'm not sure how many of us have got that gift here today. I know in the room, we've got married people. We've got single people by choice, single by circumstances, single again, all variety, uh, all, all variety of people. But some might have the gift of celibacy for the sake of the kingdom. 
But then Paul goes on and he says, but, but don't be pressured to do that because it's better to marry than to burn. There's the fire again. There's a fire inside of you. And if, if, if it gets out, then there's going to be burning. And sometimes this is actually what happens in our lives. Let me, let me put it like this. If we're in freezing cold conditions... And I said, come into my house. We've got a beautiful fireplace and a beautiful fire. The fire would create warmth, excitement, brightness. That's the fire. Now, here's the thing. In the fireplace, awesome. But if it started to catch the house on fire, and then we're going to have a problem. The problem's not the fire. That's the potential of the fire. The problem would be the boundaries and whether we kept the fire within the boundaries or whether we let it go wild. And that's what sex is like. I remember as a kid on the farm, I went to the end of the road and, and I began playing with fire. And that's not a metaphor for something else. I was literally playing with fire, okay, just to be really clear. Okay, and so I'm, I'm in this whole area of, of, of um, dead grass and it's, it's like a drought. And so I'm, I'm lighting a fire, but what I didn't do is I didn't make a big fire break around the outside of me. I, I didn't put a healthy boundary. I was just being a schmuck and I lit the fire and it took off. And suddenly there's a raging bushfire that the fire brigade gets called to and someone got in a lot of trouble over that. The problem wasn't that fire is good or bad. The problem was that fire needs to operate within boundaries. And that's the thing about your sexuality. It's, it's actually created by God inside of you, but it operates best when, op, when, when we have it within boundaries. Now, that's not, what the, that's not what the world will tell you. Hollywood will tell you, no, sex is just purely a physical thing for your pleasure and enjoyment. Have at it. Do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want, and it'll be fun. But can I tell you, if that's the approach we take to our sexuality, then that fire gets out of control and we get burned. We get burned. And maybe some of us in the room here today, I would be very confident about this. Some of us in the room today have been burnt by sexual desire in some form. Maybe it's somebody else's sexual desire that, oh, that they didn't live within the boundaries that got out of control and you were abused or damaged or pushed into something that you didn't really want to do. And that's caused a burning on your soul. Can I tell you that for one thing about that is there can come healing from God. Healing, healing on the inside. Forgiveness and be, experiencing freedom is a really important part of discovering healthy sexuality if you've been a victim of some kind of abuse or crossed boundaries. One of the things that I'm really wanting to be careful about this morning while we're talking about this topic is that this, this is a, the truth about sex. The aim of this is not to make anyone feel guilty. It's not to make anyone feel condemned. It's not to make anyone feel like, well, you're a second-class citizen. The, the hope of Christianity is that our past is wiped through the blood of Jesus Christ, that our mistakes are wiped, that God's the God of a new start, a second chance, a fresh opportunity. So if, here's the thing. If we hear the, the truth, even though it might be confronting, it might be countercultural. It might be different to what you've heard or learned, but when we learn what the Bible says and God's ways about sex, it'll actually create freedom. And if we can lean into it, it'll produce health into our relationships and health within ourselves. I got a text from the first service from a man who said, you read my mail on some of the things I talked about. Uh, you, you, you described my life. And I'm going to describe a few things in a moment when, when the boundaries get out of control. He says, I realize how much I've been damaged by a, by a 
wrong thought and a wrong thinking around the world of sex and I didn't realize that God's plan was to get me free from this. So I want to help us this morning. So if you've been burnt, you can be healed. You can be healed. God's plan for you is that. Okay, number five. That was number four. Sexual desire is powerful. All right. Number five is this. Okay, a slight detour, but it all relates. Pornography is destructive. Pornography is destructive. So the, the whole world of pornography is trying to tell you that if you just watch this, uh, it'll make you feel good, it, and, and maybe it'll be educational, or maybe in our marriage it'll spice things up a little bit, or, or somehow it'll do something in me, but pornography is one of the most addictive things that, you, that any of us can get locked into. Pornography right now is the biggest industry in the world. Uh, the, the porn business is right now creating things with a specific desire to trap 8, 9, 10, 11-year-olds, 12 and 13-year-olds. That's their target. They want to target a group of people and create a lifelong addiction and dependency on the porn industry that will continue to, to keep this industry going. They are, they, are, they are absolutely demonically driven and wanting to do that to, get, to catch a people. What, what so often we don't realize, we think it's just harmless fun. We just think it's educate, what, all of those things. What we don't realize is what's happening physiologically. Brains are literally, the chemistry of brains are literally being transformed through the watching of pornography. Desires are being changed through the watching of pornography. That's why we have such confusion in the world today because of so much stuff that people are watching is literally transforming the way they think. But then they're saying, but I was born that way, but it's not true. It's actually, a, it's a plan and assignment of the enemy. So, so here's what happens. Like any potentially addictive substance, porn triggers the release of dopamine in, in the brain. And, and the, God's designed sex to be a, not just a, a feel-good moment, but a chemistry in the brain moment. The original plan is that so that when a husband and wife first connected sexually, there would be a release of dopamine, there'd be a chemical reaction, and a lifelong attraction would be formed in that first intimate encounter. That's, God's, that's why he made it so powerful. But the enemy's come to sabotage that. And so this is what happens. Uh, porn is an escalating behavior because some as users develop tolerance for what they're watching because the dopamine goes to a reward center in their brain. Then the porn that used to excite them starts to seem boring. Predict predictably, they often try to compensate by spending more time with porn and are seeking out more hardcore material in an effort to regain the excitement they used to feel, which leads to aggression, violence, and edginess. And that, that's, that's where the, the boundaries of God's creation just keep getting pushed and blurred, and then people start getting burned. Study after study has shown that porn is directly re related to problems with arousal, attraction, and sexual performance. Porn leads to less sex and to less sexual satisfaction within a relationship. There is an epidemic of young men and young adults going to doctors saying, I can't get aroused now because I've spent so long watching porn. That's the only thing that will turn me on. Not, not even not, not a sexual relationship. Researchers have shown a strong connection between porn use, low sex drive, erectile dysfunction, and trouble reaching orgasm. Many frequent porn users reach a point where they have an easier time getting aroused by internet porn than they do by actual sex with a real partner. 
Research shows that pornography has a, increases the risk of infidelity, instability in a relationship, and a greater likelihood of divorce. These are the stats of research in a generation that on our devices has such easy access to porn. But it's a trap to destroy relationships. Remember, that's the enemy's plan to destroy relationships. So, so here you go. It's so addictive. Is it a matter of just responding to an older call and you'll be changed? No. Because there's a physiological thing going on. As with any addiction, God can help set a person free, but we have to go on a journey with accountability, with learning, with truth. Now, for, for our church, one of our groups that we'll be running in term three is called Valiant Man. We try and run this quite regularly, and it's a, it's a course designed specifically to help men who particularly can get trapped in the, in the addiction to porn, get understanding, get accountable, and get free so that your future and current relationships are not sabotaged by the addiction or the occasional use of porn. Uh, th there are other courses that we will be running and I'm, I'm committed for us as the church. This is a massive issue for the world. Not just young people, not just teenagers, but, the, but for all of us. And so we're committed to make sure that our groups are touching on these topics and helping people find a wholeness and health and great relationships the way God intended. Are we doing okay this morning? All right, that was number five. Number six. Okay, sex is more than a physical act. It's a covenant act. It's a covenant act. What do you mean by that? All right. In Bible times, when a couple got married, they didn't stand up uh, with a minister and go, you know, say their vows. Do you make a lifelong commitment? I do. Do you do this? I do that. That's not what happened. Uh, there wasn't a public covenant so much. They got together for a celebration. They got sent off to the tent. They had sex. And that was their covenant. That was their vows. They understood that the power of sexual union wasn't just a physical interaction. It was, a, it was, it was a man and woman entering into a spiritual, physical, emotional, soul connection with one another, not by the words that they said, but by their sexual act. So sex is not just a physical act. There's all sorts of layers with it. Let's read 1 Corinthians 6, verse 16 to 20. Don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scripture says the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. If you're a Christian, you're one spirit with Christ. Bible says, why would you take Christ and connect him to a prostitute or someone who's not your spouse? Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price so you must honor God with your body. All right, so what I want to do, I want to give a couple of clear thoughts with this. If we talk about sex being like a fire and God designed, designed it and it's good and it's intended for pleasure and it's his idea, but it needs to work within the boundaries, the boundaries that God talks about uh, sex flourishing in is the boundary of a covenant marriage relationship. He said, for this reason, so you'll leave, a man will leave his mother and father and join his wife and the two will become one flesh and they will become one soul and they'll become one before God. And that, that is the boundary that God wants us to live our sexual life within that. That means there's safety, there's security, there's not, no comparison, 
there's, there's a commitment. There's a lifelong commitment. It means that it, through that commitment, and, and research will show, sex will get better and better over the years because of that relationship, because of that commitment of that relationship. Uh, the, the, the Hollywood will try and make you think that the best sex happening out there is random sex. It's, it's hookup sex. It's, it's crazy sex. But the, but the research tells us they're fabricating a lie. The best sex that's happening out there is in married couples. Someone give me an amen right now. Anyway, that's, I'm getting to point seven. That's the exciting one I want to finish on. I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, so that's the boundaries God created this fire to be within. A covenant commitment. But what we've got to understand is whether we intend it or not, when a, per, when a man and a woman or whether there's a sexual encounter, what actually happens is a bridge is formed to become one. That means not only uh, the risk of pregnancy, that means not only the risk of, of sexually transmitted disease because there's a physical connection, but whatever he's got emotionally, spiritually, when we connect physically and soul to soul because sex is soul to soul whenever we connect them it's like an umbilical cord it's like we're tied to that person a bridge is formed if he's depressed you'll get depressed if she's got anxiety issues you'll get anxiety issues there's a spiritual transaction that happens with sex I've watched people who, who've come to Christ and, and made, a, made a connection to God, but not dealt with the soul ties of their past sexual relationships, that they've got an umbilical cord to numerous people. And I've watched people go, I can't, there's this attraction to that person. Maybe we're soulmates. Maybe I know I married somebody else, but I've still got this pull back to them. It's not that you're soulmates, you've got a soul tie. You, you became one with them and you made a covenant with them and the only way to break that off is actually to renounce that and get prayed for. As a church, we run a thing every six or eight weeks called an encounter day followed by a freedom course and I would encourage you if you've had sexual partners before and you haven't, you haven't dealt with them in a godly way, then you'll be carrying the baggage of every one of your sexual partners spiritually and emotionally and mentally and it's not God's intention, it's His intention to break that off and you can do that through repentance and through confession and prayer. I've watched people who've wanted to get healed for years. Christians believing God for healing, but not dealing with the soul tie, the umbilical cord of their past, and realizing that 20 years ago when I slept with that guy, and I didn't mean to do it, but I, I, it just happened, I slept with that guy, that sickness that was on him got on me. It wasn't, a, it wasn't transmitted through sex, it was a spiritual transaction, and I have been under that thing ever since that moment. The moment it was confessed, the power of the, the soul tie was broken, then healing came because the door was open. We need to close the door. Are we make, we're making some sense here today. It make, I, I like the idea, and I've seen this done, and we, and we do this as part of the freedom is write down the names of sexual partners. Confess and say, God, I'm sorry. I got outside your ideas and your boundaries. I want to be broken off from everything that I attached to in the past. You will get so much lighter and so much freer. That's coming up real soon, okay? So it's more. This, that was point number six, doing so good. Sex is more than a physical act. It's a covenant act with spiritual and emotional repercussions. The world won't tell you that. The world won't take it, tell you that at all. Okay, number seven. Here we go. God's intention is that sex flourishes in a marriage relationship. And everybody said, 
All right. Hebrews 13, 4 says this. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. This is God spelling out how that marriage is the important boundary for a sexual relationship. God will surely judge people who are immoral. That means fornication, sex outside of marriage. That's the, Hebrew, the Greek word. And those who commit adultery, that's, that's sexual relationship outside of, out of, outside of marriage. Give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. I wanna, I wanna tell us here today, uh, young people, this awkward moment where the pastor's talking about sex. It's worth going the opposite way to what the world says. It's worth doing it God's way. You'll, you'll find that if you do it God's way, if you wait, if you give your marriage partner, the, the, and I know there are young people all over the room, so I'll, I'll stop looking at you. But if you, but if you ho- give the gift of your virginity to your partner when you get married, as, that's the greatest gift you can give him. Girls, I want to tell you this. Any girl who's watching or listening to this, so often guys want sex. It's the way they're physically wired and they will say whatever it takes to get you to have sex. But here's what they need to say. They need to say in front of your friends and your family and before God, I'm not just giving you a ring on your finger. I'm not just giving you some empty words. I'm giving you my whole life. I'm marrying you in front of everybody. I'm making that commitment. And that's the price it will take for you to have sex with someone. It's going to cost them everything. And guys, respect her respect her don't don't try and force anything on her you will pay the price if you don't respect her down the tracks research tells us this that for every every teenage girl who has premarital sex she doubles the likelihood of divorce in her life that's what research tells us god's plan for sex is that it flourishes within a marriage relationship that means your best sex might not well it won't be in your first year of marriage it's just going to get better and better because of the commitment that you make to one another. The rela- in your 20s, they'll be good. Your 30s, it's going to get better. Someone help me out here. Can I hear an amen? In your 40s, it gets better. That's all I can speak for personally. Someone in their 50s say it gets better. There we go. Survey say. We surveyed 300 people. The reason it gets better is because of a sex is the icing on the cake. Intimacy is the goal. Emotional connection. And then when sex is part of a lifetime commitment to one another where we're committed to one another, then God's God's smiling over your sex life. He wants it great. The best, Hollywood's lying. The best sex is within the context of a commitment, a covenant relationship and a marriage. So therefore, if you're not married, this is what the Bible says. The only song of Solomon scripture I'm going to read this morning. Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and the wild deer, not to awaken love until the time is right. Don't put fuel on that fire until you're in that relationship. Don't think, oh, I can watch this and it won't have any effect. No, no, no. It'll get that fire burning and it'll push the boundaries. Don't awaken love. Create boundaries that allow yourselves, young people for the future. For those who are here this morning and you're like, oh, I'm hearing some stuff that, as as one person told me afterwards earlier, one man said, I wish I'd heard that when I was 16. It would have saved me so much pain. But maybe you're here this morning, you're like, oh, I've got so much pain and and regret, and maybe you're feeling guilty even. That's not the point of today. The point of today is that truth comes in. 
and then truth. Truth isn't here to bring judgment on us. It's here to bring freedom for us. Can we close our eyes this morning? Father, in this room today, I know that there's people in every stage and season of life. I thank you for the gift of sex that you've given us. I thank you for the power of it. Praying for every young person today, every single person who wants to get married. Lord, I'm praying for strength to prioritize purity for good boundaries to not sell themselves short I'm asking Jesus for your strength Father I'm praying for people who want to get married Holy Spirit that you would help them find the right people not the compromised people but the right people give them the desires of their heart Lord, I'm praying right now for people who have experienced pain, the burning where the boundaries got out of control, that a healing journey can begin even today as they go and begin to talk to someone and let the light in where there's been abuse. As they just begin to share that with a pastor or someone, a counselor, that healing would come. And Lord, I'm praying for every married couple Father, that our intimacy would grow, that our emotional connection and spiritual connection would grow, and that our sex life would flourish under the blessing of God. I ask for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I want you just to keep your eyes closed for just a moment. One more thing we want to do today. I said earlier that we're created for relationship. We're relational beings. Without a relationship with God, we'll, we'll end up lonely. We'll end up without true purpose and meaning. We'll find that because God is the source of love, He is love, that our relationships will be lacking something unless God's in our heart. And so this morning, I want to do what we do in every one of our services, and that's to give an opportunity for people to make a commitment to God to become a Christian, to begin a relationship with Him. Today, God wants to, bring, to begin a relationship with you. And that relationship means that you get forgiven for all the mistakes, all the past. He wipes all the sins off our slate, off our sheet. He wipes them away. He comes and He lives inside of us, brings us life and joy and hope, purpose. It all comes out of a relationship with God that's available because of Jesus. Jesus paid the price when he died on a cross for our sins so we could be forgiven. This morning, if you're saying, John, I, I don't have a relationship with God. Something, I, I can sense that there's something missing in my life. This morning, can I lead you in a prayer in a few minutes of surrendering your life and inviting God into your heart? It'll be a game changer. It's what you're created for. If you're here this morning and maybe there's been a point in your life where you did begin a relationship with God, but you, for whatever reason, just drifted away, you got busy, got sidetracked, just stopped coming to church, stopped connecting with God. You didn't stop believing God's real, but you know you drifted away and He's not number one. And for you today, you can sense a tugging on your heart that God wants you to reconnect with Him.
then in a moment, I'd love to lead you in a prayer where you rededicate your life to Christ. If that's you in a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand as well. Or maybe you're here this morning, you're not sure if when you die, you're going to go to heaven. You hope you are. You believe in God. But the Bible tells us even the devil believes that God's real. That's not enough to get us into heaven. What gets us into heaven is putting our trust in Christ and surrendering to Him. And when that happens, a true peace, a confidence about eternity comes into your heart. And if you don't have that today, in a moment I'm going to ask you to raise your hand with these others and say, that's me, I want that relationship with God you're talking about, John. So right across this room right now, in a moment I'm going to get you to raise your hand then in your seat, I'll get you to put it down. And then all together, just while you're in your seat, we're going to um, lead us in a prayer, inviting God into your life and surrendering. So right now, if you're saying, John, I want a relationship with God. I need to surrender my life to Him. Something's missing. Or you want to come back to Him because you've drifted away. You need to rededicate your life. Or you want to be sure you're going to heaven. Right now, wherever you are, if that's you, if you're watching online, I'm including you in this moment. Would you just raise your hand and say, that's me today. I want to get right with God. I'm away from God. Something's missing. I want to reconnect with Him. If that's you right now, wherever you are, would you raise your hand and say, John, that's me today. Thanks, I see your hand. Thanks up the back, I see your hand. That's great. Who else right now? You can put your hands down, those two people. Is there someone else here this morning? You're saying, that's me as well. Something's wrong in my life. I'm, I've drifted away. Don't, don't let pride rob you right now. Pride just says, oh, I can work it out. I, I, I know how to do this myself. No, the beginning of wisdom, the Bible says, is the fear of the Lord. It's a surrender to God. He knows the best way for our life. He knows the way for us to live. The most powerful moment you'll have is when you surrender and say, okay, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm surrendering to you. I give you my life. When you do that, you, you become a partner with God. Everything begins to change. I feel like there's at least one more person. You need to raise your hand right now. It's time to surrender to God. If that's you, would you also raise your hand as well? Say, that's me today, John. I want to surrender to God. I want to commit my life to Him wherever you are. Your heart will be pounding. It'll be like I'm speaking just to you because God uses my voice to speak to you in a moment like now. Today's your day to get right with Him. 10 more seconds. If that's you, just raise your hand real quick. Say, that's me. I want to get right with God. Awesome. Thank you. I see your hand. That's fantastic. All right. Together, and if you're at home or wherever you are watching online and you want to commit your life to Christ, would you pray this prayer with all of us and with these three people who made this decision? Say these words after me. Those of you who raised your hand, pray this from your heart to God. Say these words, everybody. Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me, that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, for my sin. I'm sorry I've lived my way. Today I give my life to you. I receive your forgiveness. I put my faith in Jesus. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and the power of God. I thank you this morning that I'm born again, forgiven, going to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's put our hands together for everybody who made that decision right there, made that commitment right there. God bless you.